0: So, this morning, how many Panthers are in the sanctuary this morning? Got like two. <laughs> Plus ten that aren't raising their hand. Because, you know, rule number one, you know, rule number one, when you're in church and the preacher's on the stage, never raise your hand. Right? That's why, that's why I make you guys do it all the time. Hey, raise your hand at this. So, let's try this again. How many Panthers do we have in the room today? Uh, a few of you, a few, some, some of you are like, it's funny because you're leaning over so you can raise your hand, but nobody can see it. It's it's kind of enjoyable. Uh, how many Indians are in the house today? Oh, see? Yeah, Indians are, oh, okay. They they only did so well because I helped them, right? Uh, any blackbirds in the house today? Oh, see, we got a couple. That's where Rex is today. He's with the blackbirds, so... Um, I, mascots mascots are funny to me because they they mean something, right? If you're going to pick a mascot, you're going to pick something that means something. And usually you want it to instill some sort of fear or anxiety or... Lack of comfort in the people that are that are opposing you. That's that's why we have things like panthers and Indians. Because if if I'm alone if I'm alone and see a panther and I'm not at the zoo and there's not this big crevice and a big high fence, I'm scared, right? I am. Just in case you're wondering, I am scared. Whether you are or not, I, that, I can't help you with that, but I'm scared. Or, and Indians were very strong warriors, and they're, they're known for their fierceness in, war, in battle and that kind of stuff. So that's why we choose those kind of things. When I went to Bible college at Kentucky Christian College, and our, our mascot was the Knights. And so, you know, that, I mean, it's not, very, it's not as fierce maybe as some other things, but, but we played Johnson Bible College, and they were in our, kind of our league, we were all from the same tradition and... So we played them every year, and their mascot was the preachers. <laughs> so I'm not exactly sure. Maybe, I guess they, I guess we were afraid of how holy they were going to be or something. I, I don't know. Um, but it was a struggle because, and I tried this in first service at Flop, but it, it's okay. Every once in a while we have jokes, Flop. But it, it's funny, though, because they don't have, women couldn't be preachers, so the women's sports had to be the preacher's wives and not... Lady preachers, <laughs> I got a few more this, this this service, so I feel better. But while I was going through this, while I was thinking about this, I, I found some fun ones. So uh, because you know I like to laugh, and every once in a while you might get to laugh. You know what that is? <laughs> the sugar beaters. <laughs> I, this is my disclaimer. I'm not smart enough or creative enough to come up with any of this, so these are real. You, you go home and Google this, you can find these. these. This is actually a school, a high school's mascot. The Sugar Beaters, okay? The Awesome Blossoms. I, I, mean, I mean, how do you get riled up for a football game? Let's go, flowers! Woo! I mean, what's your chant before uh, grow, grow, grow? Uh, I-, I don't know. Anybody know what this is? It's not as hard as it looks. It's the dot. The dot. That's a dot. Right? do not it look like a dot? The funny part, the second funniest part of this is that The town that does anybody know where this is from? Polka, West Virginia. They really are the polka dots. I can't make it up really. I'm not that smart. The Cupidals I got nothing really. This is probably my favorite. The mighty bunnies I mean think, think think of that pep rally, the Easter Bunnies running around with a bunch of baskets some of you get that on the way home it'll be funnier on the way home but mascots really mean something if you were asked to choose a mascot for your school your your school came to you and said we're thinking about changing them. we're not going to be the panthers anymore we want to do something different we're not going to be the indians or the blackbirds or what or the sugar beaters we, we decided we're going to change something what would you want to have as your mascot And what kind of criteria would you use to select a new mascot for your school Probably, somewhere along the line, there would have to be something that you, you would create fear, right? I mean, you want the other team to be afraid of, we're the Mighty Panthers, you know? And the Mighty Bunnies just really, to me, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know that that instills a lot of fear. I, I kind of, actually, I kind of feel bad for them. So it might work. You might win because they feel so bad that you have to be a Mighty Bunny that you just kind of lay down and let them, <laughs> let, let them win. You know what I'm saying? But how would you choose? What would you select? What, who would you talk to? John chapter 10 gives us what Jesus says our mascot as the church should be. What, what we as a group that follows Christ, what, what we should stand on, and what if we're going to choose something that represents who we are and tells the world what we're all about. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10. So let's read some of that. It's not the sugar beaters, I can tell you that. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so when the wolf attacks and scatters the flocks, the hired man runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They'll listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father knows me and loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back up again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. What does Jesus say the mascot for the churches. (laughs) Sheep. We're the mighty sheep. It's kind of a letdown, isn't it? You were hoping for something bigger. You were hoping that Brian was going to have a little bit more wisdom and a little bit more excitement for you than, hey, we're sheep. And why is it that Jesus says we're sheep. What role does he say he plays? He's the shepherd. And the fact that we're sheep has much more to do with his role as the shepherd than any other part of the entire story. So you you guys know I like to tell stories, and most of the stories that I tell have some have have a good portion of truth in them. They might have a little sprinkling of added drama. Every once in a while. But most of them have some truth. And so usually when I go through scripture. when it, As I'm studying scripture. And if, I, if I'm planning something. I look through scripture. And if there's a story in there. I figure out the parts of the story. And in, in this story the characters are pretty prominent. They're, they're pretty easy to see. And there's basically four of them. So we're going to talk for a little bit about the first two. And the first one that we see in there. Is Jesus calls him the gatekeeper. He's also known as the watchman or the hired hand now what's this character's role we 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 all under, everybody understands what a sheep pen is right sheep sheep eat grass and that's pretty much all they do they just eat grass so they have to have a place to eat grass so they wall these places off or they would fence them off and then there would always be one gate to get in just just one Sheep aren't that smart, so you can't give them more than one choice. You just have one, and that's where they come and go from. And that's where the shepherd would come and go from. And what Jesus says is, when the shepherd shows up, the watchman, the the hired hand, whatever title you want to give to him at the time, he's going to open the door for the gate. Open the door, shut the door. Open the door, shut the door. These are like security guards. Anybody know security guards? Ever see a security guard? They're the ones that sit in the booth and watch YouTube until you show up, and you gotta wait for their five-minute YouTube clip to finish before they decide to see if they want to help you or not. I'm just teasing there, but but they're they're the what that that's their role. They they are there to kind of keep things somewhat under control, right? They, be, because if it gets really bad, what's the security guard gonna do? A security guard's gonna call 911 and take off, right? Not always, but but that, that that's their role. And so that what Jesus is saying is this watchman, this this hired hand, this this gatekeeper that he uses, they're gonna open the gate and they're gonna kind of keep an eye on the sheep to make sure that things don't get in and make sure the sheep don't get out. They stand by the gate and make sure that people come and go like they're supposed to. Somebody shows up at the gate that isn't actually the shepherd, it's the gateman that's gonna say, No, you can't come in here this is sheep they're not your sheep you can't have them that's theirs so that that's, that's his job right he's not deeply invested in it he's not he doesn't really care about the sheep he cares about what jesus says it not me he cares about the paycheck right and when the paycheck is not enough to cover the cost of what he's doing he's out because he's just in it for the paycheck it's okay that's his role right He's not the shepherd. He's the hired hand. See, I think sometimes we as Christians I think sometimes we as Christians in our relationships with other sheep I think sometimes we take the role of the hired hand instead of the role of another sheep. Because we can be quick to see something that's not right. Right? The, the, the guardsman is trained to see whether it's the whether it's the shepherd or not. He's, he's trained to see if there's a wolf that's gotten in, that kind of stuff. And so he, he recognizes when something isn't correct, and then he lets someone else know that that's not correct. Everybody understand that? You agree with me on that role of the watchman, the gatekeeper? That's what he does? Sometimes we as Christians feel like that's our role, to, to see what's not going well in someone else's life and let someone else know that something's not going well in their life and then check out. Not get involved and try and help, not see if you can find out where, where we how we got to that point, not make a difference, not put together something to make to, to to improve their situation. We just recognize and tell. Recognize and tell. We all know people like that, right? I'm sure it's none of you. But but i you probably know some people like that. They recognize when your life is jacked up. And they let you know and everybody else know that your life is jacked up, but they're not really there to help. They've checked out. That, that's, that's what Jesus says the gatekeeper is. He's going to open the door. He's, he's going to let the shepherd know, okay, he can come on in. But if it gets, if it gets bad, he's out. That's really not our role, is it? What, what's Our mascot. As the church, we're the sheep, right? Which means we're all the sheep. <laughs> we're all the sheep. And you wouldn't see one sheep go running to tell the other sheep that a sheep is having a bad time. You would see that sheep going. One of the things that I found as I was studying for this is that sheep actually build relationships and with each other. And stick up for each other when there's a struggle. When one, when one sheep is having a hard time, the other sheep help them. The other sheep go, go and find them and, and encourage them and try and help them. And try and make it better. <laughs> isn't that cool? <laughs> that, that, isn't it cool that Jesus tells us to be sheep? And that's what sheep really do. And, and they also said in that research that I did. They also said that sheep experience... Emotions, in the emotion of loss when their buddies are taken to, out of the sheepfold to have what happens to sheep that are removed from the sheepfold happen. They, they actually experience the feelings of loss. Wouldn't it be great if churches could understand that? That we're not the hired hand. That we're, we're not the gatekeeper we're, we're the sheep <laughs> we're all in this together you know what sometimes my life gets jacked up it's a mess sometimes I make bad decisions I really don't need a sheep to come and tell me that I've made a bad decision how many of you need someone to tell you when you made a bad decision not very many right because we know But to have someone come alongside us and encourage us through that bad decision until we get out the other side, that makes a much bigger difference, doesn't it? So so we have the watchman. The second one that's in there is the thief or the robber or the wolf, the bad guy, right? The the antithesis of the good guy, the foe, the opponent. Who is that? Satan, thank you. He's the one that the Bible tells us walks around, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? Those are pretty strong words, aren't they? It, It doesn't say he's a nice little cat running around the house seeing if he can scratch somebody. It's not, oh, he's the little puppy dog that's seeing if he can lick your face. He's a roaring lion Going through and through the whole world, trying to find people to devour, to destroy, to completely annihilate. Satan's job is to destroy us, to pound us into the ground, to make it make us ineffective in everything that we do. Devour means to completely be taken out, right? If you ever had a steak that you really liked and someone said, Man, you devoured that thing, that means that you went through it quickly and probably didn't taste it, right? It's no, there, there's no more stake, it's gone. Satan is the wolf. Satan is the bad guy. Satan is the thief. He's the destroyer. He's the robber. It is not us. <laughs> the people that are the sheep, our sheep in our sheepfold are not the enemy. The enemy is the devil we got to keep that in mind, because sometimes, sometimes we get that a little bit messed up. We get that, a little, that gets a little bit cross-wired in our head. So let's talk about the main character, number one. Now, what does Jesus say he is? Because he, obviously he's in a role here, and what's his role? He's the good shepherd. Listen to the things that he says the good shepherd does. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger they will run from him because they don't know his voice. What things does Jesus say the shepherd does in, in this story that he has for us? First of all, he says that he leads. He leads. Now, wait a minute. What, what's the difference in leading and following? Anyone play follow leader ever? Wow! You guys have had a really troubled childhood, haven't you? Never got to play Follow the Leader. I had one person raise their hand if they've ever played Follow the Leader. Maybe we should do that for church next week. I'm going to tell Rex, hey, let's not have a sermon, let's have a game of Follow the Leader. (laughs) I'm just teasing. Not really. But what does the leader do in the game of Follow the Leader? Leezy walks in front, and everybody follows. Right? And if you don't follow, you lose. It's kind of like Simon says. Simon says, then you can do it. If you just, if Simon doesn't say, you can't do it. And Jesus says, "I lead my sheep." I, I spent some time at the at the fair this year, and it it always makes me, it always make does my heart good to see these young kids in 4H because they're 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 doing good things and they're learning good things, but. I have to be honest. I I also get lots of laughs out of watching 4-H kids and animals and the way that they interact, because you goats are really goats are my favorite to watch when there's a kid trying to handle one because you see this poor little child that isn't real big themselves trying to get a goat to go into the go into the arena and do what it's supposed to. And, and you see you see these kids. And the goat's like, you're crazy. I know what happens to those things when they're done. And, and so you see these, these little kids trying to pull these goats in, and the goat's almost getting choked, but he still doesn't care. He doesn't want to go. He'd rather be choked than go. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and I lead my sheep. Meaning that the sheep follow. He doesn't have to stand behind them and hit them with a whip or some kind of crop or something like that. He just walks and they follow. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The New Living Translation says, he allows me to relax in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And we're being led. When, when we see and understand Jesus, we understand that Jesus is the leader. And when Jesus is leading, he's leading us to something better. Because remember, what do what are, what are sheep do? Eat grass. Good. What else do sheep do? Not a lot. And what it, what it is, if I said it, it would sound like I'm being crude, and so I'm not going to say it, right? They eat grass. What happens when you eat grass? Does, does grass just always there? Eventually, they get to dirt, right? So, at what point do we have to move when we start getting to dirt? Because you don't want to leave your sheep there to just eat dirt, right? Right? Jesus has to lead people. The shepherd has to say, okay, we're about to dirt here, so let's go to a different place. So he's got this huge group of sheep he's got to get somewhere, and he's one shepherd, and he just walks. And the sheep just go, okay, it's time to go with him, because he leads, and they follow One of the things I think we struggle with as Christians is that we don't understand the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. Because for those sheep to follow that shepherd, what does Jesus say about that relationship? How does, how does the shepherd get them to follow? He calls them by name. Calls them by name. Think about that for a minute. Who's the good shepherd? Come on. Jesus is the good shepherd, right? So when Jesus says, my sheep follow me because I call them by name. What is this? Oop, I gotta turn this back on. You know what that is? It's a Where's Waldo picture. What's the goal of this? Find Waldo. The crazy little guy with the crazy head somewhere in there, and all those colors. You gotta find the right colors, right? Then you'll know it's Waldo. While you're trying to find Waldo, think about this. Think about Jesus and his Father looking down on the earth to billions of people. Billions, not hundreds, not thousands. Billions of people. I'll let you see it later if you want to. (laughs) Nobody's listening now because you're trying to find Waldo. But think about G. Think about the Lord. He looks onto the earth and he sees billions of people. Billions. You, you don't even understand what billions is. We we'd like to, we know that it's a certain number of zeros and a certain number of commas. We really don't understand how many it is, though, right? Billions of people, and God looks down at me in those billions of people, and says. Brian, I got something for you to do today. Think about it this way. Let me help you. let me give you another another way to help you. How many of you have a favorite group, like a singing group? Chris Tomlin. Uh, I don't. Maybe you don't want to say the name out loud right now because we're in church. But you have a favorite group. Let's just think of it this way. I offer you free tickets to. That concert, whoever it is. Whatever group you want to go see. And you get to that concert, and your seats aren't really that great, because I'm cheap. It's okay, I got you in. Right? But your seats aren't that great. So you're up in the cheap seats, right? Nose bleeding a little bit, but you're okay, because you're with, you're there to see your group. And in the middle of the concert, the lead singer stops and says... I want to take a minute and I want, I want, I want Brian Hollingsworth to come and stand on stage. Whatever your name is. Your name is not Brian Hollingsworth, but whatever your name is. Imagine hearing that from the stage. It's your favorite group and the lead singer, the star has just called your name out of this huge group of people and asked you to come to the front of the stage. What kind of reaction do you have? Man, you are hopping up and down. You're high-fiving all your buddies. You're jumping around. woo Look at this. I get to go down on the stage. And you're having all kinds of... You're running down the steps, high-fiving people you don't even know. You're hugging people you don't even know. You get up there to the stage. You jump on the stage. You almost knock over a microphone stand. And you are like, you run to them like, what do I get? What do I want? I was so excited to be here. God says the same thing to you every day. The creator of the universe, the maker of everything, the controller of all that happens in all of the world, every day when you wake up says, Ryan, this is what I have for you today. I've got something for you to do today, Brian. And this is what it is. Hey, Joe, I know you've had we've had a hard time, but but I'm gonna use that hard time, and and I've actually got somebody today that we're gonna use that for. He calls us by name. And and Jesus says, that's why the sheep follow the shepherd. Because they understand that the shepherd knows them. And the shepherd loves them. And the shepherd knows them so well. He can speak to them by name at any point he chooses to. You understand this because most of us have parents or have had parents. We could be in a room full of a bunch of people. And I could get, I could get all of my kids, any of them, I could get their attention relatively quickly. Right? Because I would yell their name and they would say, Ooh. Right? It's the same way. Jesus says, The sheep follow me because they know my voice and because I've called them by name. They know me because I spend time because the shepherd walks into the sheepfold every day and he says, Hey, hey, Spot, come here. Let's talk about yesterday. Think about that for just a minute, too. We talked about this. How do you tell sheep apart? How do you know one sheep from another? It's crazy. They don't wear different outfits. They don't have different hairstyles. They don't. Some have facial hair. Some don't have facial hair. They, they all pretty much look the same. The good shepherd calls them by name, and he knows them. Even though they, don't, they look all the same to me, every one of them looks different to him because he knows exactly who they are. The beauty of being a follower of Jesus is that Jesus knows you by name and calls you by name. And when you're struggling, when you're having a difficult time, when the world doesn't seem to be going the way that you want it to, you have a God that's the creator of everything that speaks to you by name and says, you and I have this. Nothing's going to get to you that hasn't come through me. Hold on. Hold on, Jim. Hold on, Sally. Hold on, Bill. I love you, and I'm here, and this is really going to stink for a really long time. But we're in it together, and we're going to win it together. Because the other thing that Jesus says about the good shepherd is that the good shepherd protects the sheep. In the sheepfold, there was one way to get in. And the shepherd would actually lay down in front of that gate at night when it was time to sleep he would lay down if it was time if he was going to take a nap or he was going to sleep overnight he would lay down in front across the gate so that if anybody came in they would have to come over him to get there you guys remember the story of job guy in the Old Testament had a few bad things happen to him remember how that all started Satan's Standing before God and says, "I've been looking to test some, find somebody I can, I can destroy their relationship with you." And God says, "Well, check out Job. He's pretty, he's a pretty solid, he's a pretty solid follower of mine. See if you can sway him." Well, of course he's good to you. Of course he loves you because you've given him everything. He's, he struggles with nothing. But if I start messing with him, he's gonna turn on you. I promise you. And God says, "Okay, go ahead." Take anything you want, mess with anything that he has, but on him himself, on the man himself, don't lay a hand. You see, God does that for us. Satan wants to come at us with things that are tough, things that are hard or God wants us to grow and he wants to stretch us and he wants our faith to be stretched. There's all kinds of things. Nothing gets to you that doesn't go through God. Nothing comes to my desk that hasn't come across God's first. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God will be faithful and give you a way out. You have faced nothing in your life as a follower of Christ that God hasn't said, okay, let him have it. Because he knows if you'll stay close to him, you can beat it. Isn't that a cool shepherd to serve? Rex is going to spend some time next week talking about our roles as sheep. For us today, what's important for us to understand is one little part that I want you to see about the sheep and the shepherd. Jesus says if someone besides the shepherd tries to get the sheep to do something, they scatter, they run, because they know it's not the shepherd. How many of you have ever been given well-intentioned, terrible advice? Yeah? But sometimes it's difficult for us to decide whether it's terrible advice or not, isn't it? You see, if you spend time knowing the shepherd, if you spend time in relationship with the Lord... When those things come up, they automatically sound crazy and completely against what the shepherd wants you to do and you leave it alone and run. How well do you know the shepherd? Because we are sheep. Whether we like it or not, whether we would choose it or not, whether it's what we would make our own mascot, that's what Jesus said we are. We're sheep with a good shepherd to follow. It's much easier to be a good sheep when you understand the shepherd. Do you agree? Absolutely. As the worship team comes forward, I'm going to read you the words to a song. I've told you guys before, I'm, I'm old-fashioned and I'm okay with it. Um, and I really like Southern gospel music. And part of what I like about it is it's, it's encouraging. It's not as much about who God is all the time, but it's a lot, a lot of Southern Gospel stuff is about what we have to look forward to when we get to heaven and what God does for us here on earth and the relationships that he builds for us. And I want you to listen to the words of this song while, while the worship team is, is getting set. The name of this song is I Can't Even Walk Without You Holding My Hand. And the words say this, I thought number one would surely be me. I thought I could be what I wanted to be. I thought I can build on life's sinking sand, but I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. The mountain's too high and the valley's too wide. And down on my knees I learned to stand. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I thought I had done a lot on my own, I thought I could make it all alone. I thought of myself as that woman who can, but I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. The mountain's too high and the valley's too wide. Down on my knees, I learned to stand. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I think I'll make Jesus my one and my all. From now on when I'm in trouble, only his name I'll call. And if I can't trust him, I'll be less of a man because I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Can't even walk without you holding my hand. The mountain's too high. The valley's too wide. Down on my knees, learn to stand. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. How close to that are you today? Maybe you think you've got it okay. Maybe you feel like you don't really need the Lord all that much. Maybe you only ask him every once in a while. The true sheep understand this simple thought. Without the shepherd, you can't go anywhere. Without the love of the good shepherd, you can't accomplish anything. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where your relationship is. You you might be at the bottom of a large mountain and feel like it's too high. You may be on one side of a valley you need to get across and you don't see any way across it. You you might be in a place where you're comfortable with your relationship with the Lord. But what God wants you to be able to say to him is that God, I can't even take one step. I, I am I, I cannot even successfully do this without this. Where are you today? Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thanks for being that good shepherd. Thanks for offering us greener pastures. Thanks for offering us greatness. Thanks for making it possible. We give you the praise and the thanks. In Jesus' name.